You're listening to Stories But Shorter, recorded at Wholesome Studio B1 in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Cassie Jerkins. Today we have on Amon Loren. So my name is Iman Loren, um, black in parentheses. I'm from the south and west side of Chicago. And the poem, that the first poem I'm going to read is called Speak, which is from my book, Commando. I got a family reunion in my mouth, chuch under my tongue, loud packed in loose squared language, bootlegged babble, mouth saucy and slick, quick card cracking grammar, squad a sanctuary on my top lip, Throw the handles of my cheeks, what's good in the hood of my mouth, the yo in my yarn, a fugue's flat flick of tongue, south side stick slobbered, a candy lady's cabinet, but an MC light a boombox on my beak, suited and booted, food and liquor leaking, tripping on my tonsils, A1 and AK47s, the rink skating on my nose and what consent means, my gots belong to Giovanni and Jasmine. A different world in the Dutch masters. Elbows off the tables of my teeth. Don't you have any manners? Melanin in the suck. Auntie pokey necro caught in my throat. I speak a queer language. Color-coded. No code switch a swap. I hold a rainbow coalition on my tongue. Obamacare in my back throat. Let my mom claim the baby in my teeth for tax season. I speak sacrifice. Urban dictionary in the suburbs. Know my rights and speak them loud, like my music, like my body, like my bossy. I speak my bossy. I speak Trina and Cardi B. I speak woman runs the house. I speak field and house. I speak house. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Red line lingering licks. I speak shop, sharp swords. Bible translations, revenues, I speak avenues and boulevards, Cabrini mouth, mom's greens, the Claire course on 26th in California, I speak free my mans, I speak free my energy, I speak in royalist, in concrete king, queendoms. Cool? Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Yay. Um, cool. So do you want to um, like speak on like your process of writing poetry? Like what got you into writing it? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been writing poem, poems or poetry since I was in about third grade when mm-hmm. I was going. My first elementary school was when I was out west. I went to a school called Leslie Lewis. Mm-hmm. And they used to have these things like these book writing competitions or whatever mm-hmm. but I didn't really have much time to to create there um, until I moved to the south side when I was nine and when I went to Stevenson and they had a similar experience mm-hmm. um, but my teachers turned them into assignments there so it was kind of purposeful oh okay and so instead of like writing a narrative or writing a story I just loved writing like a book of poems mm-hmm. and it just sort of transitioned from there and then when it caught the attention of my teachers that that was something that I was doing. They inserted me into speech competitions. So mm-hmm. that's when I got put on to like Maya Angelou, Nikki Giovanni. Not uh-huh. to also mention that my mom had a big influence on me 
being, you know, raised in culture, um, uh, you know, a black culture. Yeah. So A Different World was a big sitcom that I was super mm-hmm. um, inspired by. And ever since then, I just stuck with poetry because it was something that made me different. You know, mm-hmm. my mom was a, a graffiti artist and my dad was also a musician. Ah. Um, so art has always been, you know, a place where I had fit in. But school just made it made it some place for me to be seen. Yeah. Something, um, extracurricular outside of good grades. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's also cool that like... Um like your teachers recognized it and supported it, you know? I'm very glad that they did too. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that's um, something that you don't really see often, especially when you think about uh, a reputation that Chicago public schoolers mm-hmm. have had. Yeah. Or any schooling in general, not even just to put like a light or a negative light on Chicago public schoolers. But, you right. know, education, especially for the arts, is always underfunded. Yeah. Um, and it is always a big focus on standardized testing. Mm-hmm. Um and people usually don't see no correlation between those. Yeah. And I'm a terrible tester. Like, <laughs> yeah. I hate the pressure. Uh-huh. Like, I just want to write and yeah. draw a picture of what I'm possibly thinking. And I, I know. And it'll, yeah. I feel like it'll look stale in the same message. But I think also what my teachers recognized was that even though I was involved, in, I was on a cheerleading team. I was on mm-hmm. a cheer palm. I was mm-hmm. in the art class, but I was not popular at all. <laughs> and so I was like a person who always ate lunch with their teachers. Uh-huh. And so I think that they also appreciated the fact that I was, you know, wanted to be an anomaly. Yeah. Like I wanted to yeah. not be with the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Because it was me. I'm from San Diego and like really? yeah and okay. the public school system out there like class sizes would be like 40 students yes and then yeah and then like there would be like a couple months of the year where it was just prepping for the standardized testing and stuff mm-hmm. and even the teachers were like this is bad like yes. but you have to take it so we can hopefully get money and then yeah our like theater program was like they had no money like you know yeah yeah that is like, always the reason of like I think for me personally, that was always the reason why I wasn't able to do arts in school is because yeah. we didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think me personally, like participated in arts kind of, I don't want to say like it bought money for the school, but it bought a certain attention that there yeah. are different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, I might not win any money at a speech competition, but mm-hmm. that's enough attention at a school to like want to bring some form of advocacy for it. Yeah, and like foster that talent more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then do you want to speak about that poem specifically? Like, mm-hmm. So I wrote this poem. Um, I was It was in a workshop when I was under Jimmy LaWood's mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I believe we were writing a poem for one of Regina Taylor's plays. And she had just gave us um, a workshop, you know, like write, you know, write a roadmap of your mouth or, you know, write an etymology of your language, you mm-hmm. know, right at the beginning of like, you know, how you talk. And I was, it was probably one of my favorite poems. It was probably one of the poems that I wrote in easily, like easy quickness. But yeah. um, I wanted it to also be the introduction of my book because it is a very introductory piece. It's saying like, hello, this is who I am. And mm-hmm. especially as a teaching artist, when you think about curriculum building, it's always the the me, the we, the they, the us, and then mm-hmm. the where we're from. And so I think that's also like how I built my book up too. And I mm-hmm. feel like Speak was a poem that really just, you know, invoked and called into, you know, 
called into submission everything that represents how I talk, everything that you know is, you know, plays in harmony with my mouth, you know, figuratively, literally, symbolically, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, also what is something important to me is I feel like there's also an issue, especially with black people and how we talk. Mm -hmm. um, just thinking about like, you know, Ebonics in our vernacular is often frowned upon mm -hmm. or often shunned for being, you know, less educational or, you know, mm -hmm. less, you know, corporate, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I find that a little bit phony <laughs> because those same big wig heads yeah. love to go to Urban Dictionary mm -hmm. to take, you know, to go home to their kids and they look at what a new word I learned. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, that's like, that's phony kicking it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. especially when you think about black people, like we evolve so much culture and so much language. Mm -hmm. And even when you think about the idea of like, I mean, my family is from the South. Yeah. So, I would always say, I'm finna go to the store, I'm finna go to the store, I'm finna do this. My mom, she would just be like, finna, like, <laughs> what is a finna? And I'm like, okay, Laura, like, <laughs> you know exactly what finna is. Like, I'm about to, but when I grew up, I understood that like finna came from like fixing, which is mm. like a very big, you know, Southern twang. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm fixing to do this. I'm yeah. It's about to, you know what I'm saying? So I think it also invokes uh, a call for culture and a call mm -hmm. for community mm -hmm. like um you understand what i'm saying and if mm -hmm. you don't understand what i'm saying then that's a perfect opportunity to ask the question what i mean yeah but um yeah that's really what that poem is about it's just inspired yeah. by my language and my language of my people and yeah community. that's awesome thank you yeah would you like to read the next poem cool so the next poem is commando manifesto which is the last poem of my book mm-hmm I can curse, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, cool, because yeah. I was trying to keep it real <laughs> oh, cute no, 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 and cool. No, 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 okay. no, 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 it's like, yeah. Okay, uh, Commando Manifesto. I like to get naked, wear my heart on my sleeves, and I don't wear them much because Chicago rips them off of you. Makes me a chested tube top, left my shoulders of skyscrapers open, ready for a kiss, ready for a blow, a job I can finish. Cause mom calls me a clever girl, said I would figure it out, taught me how to get out and be open so I strip, gave niggas what they been asking for, kept plenty of blade in my tongue, might have a need that make pain or take it away, learned my place and made it a throne, I fuck royally, turned my bed into a mausoleum of offerings, my body is a sacrifice of my winnings. My trophies out in the open. Who the fuck should I lay bare other than myself so I choose to be commando, ready for action, ready for fight. For this land is mine and is still rich and is still ours, me and whoever I choose to be with. For whatever reason, some call it a weak move, a vulnerable venture card, a road map of all my soft spots, easy targets, but here, is where I plant my flag, cause here might have been a pit stop for niggas who needed a home too. Chicago's bosom been sagging on them for a while now, so I give mine. Cook some meals, roll some blunts, and fuck for free. Cause that love shit costs nowadays. Ain't much here for profit anyway, but people still find a way. Use my name, try to turn me into a gentrified zone. Throw some good words around me, add a splash of color, give me a stage, and say work. 
bitch. I add the work, bitch. Some crack music, some real black ruthless. Grind my pretty and I talk real well. Deposit my dialects. Spit shine the ground I walk on for this is mine. And no one can take me. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. This is very this is very comforting. This is very peaceful. Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I feel like I'm on like NPR. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, NPR yeah. It's like super it's chill. Like, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. great. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um but yeah, but I do find it like very empowering because I think like like female sex- sexuality, it's like very complicated, mm-hmm. you know. Um like uh just like people telling you how to act and everything. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me reading it, it is very like, no, I'm making these choices. Thank and, you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very deliberate in writing this as a commando manifesto. Um, one of my favorite manifestos is a piece by Krista Franklin. She had mm-hmm. it. And manifesto was really like a compilation. Well, I've been educated on it. It's just a compilation of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to write a poem that summed up what I was trying to say. And as a woman who who personally, like as a, you know, non-binary gender fluid woman, mm-hmm. um, I feel like a lot of our marginalized neighborhoods, like our hoods mm-hmm. that I'm from, um, break a woman down to just being a female. Mm, okay. And they break a, a woman down to just being a commodity mm-hmm. or um, something to something to lie on but not necessarily to fight for Mm -hmm. so they they see us as their homes you know what i'm saying like even when you think about it like now that some might say that you know like fuck john singleton okay like Mm -hmm. in the idea of like you know chauvinism and you know heteronormalities right but one of my favorite movies is baby boy okay with tyrese (laughs) and project p henson and he says something in the beginning which which I felt which which I found very real, like uh, when a when a man you know what does he call his home? He calls it a crib. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? When he calls you know what does he call his woman? Mama. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So like men, especially you know black men, but also especially men in general. When mm-hmm. you think about our relationships to women and them in the hoods. We are never really appraised for our matriarchy. Mm. You know, we are Mm. never really appraised for our, you know, for us being the sanctuary, for us building sanctuaries of of homes and of neighborhoods that are so violent and Mm -hmm. so much wear and tear, especially on the black body. Mm -hmm. And when we are appraised for that, it's only through sex. Mm. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? It's only through the comfort of what they need at that specific time, Mm -hmm. whether it be for some food, for some for some weed, for some fucks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like is there is never no no sanctioned, you know, appraisal yeah. that that you know that that lifts us up and says, you know, hey, thank you. Like, you know, thank you for being someone to like to bear yourself. Yeah. You know? Like and I think that's what commando was really for for me is like a reclaiming myself mm-hmm. before it tries to get taken away. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you like to read the next piece? Sure. So this next piece is it's a relatively new piece. I okay. wrote it. I was asked by Red Bull to write a poem for them. Red I, Bull? Yes. 
Um, so Red Bull, they have concerts every year. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen them around, but you should I, really go. Okay. If you want to, I can make sure to get you tickets to whichever <laughs> show you want. But um, I was asked to write a, a poem for Red Bull's kickoff event. Kickoff mm. event. So I wrote this poem. It's called Bless. <laughs> Chicago, a crafty caucus we cocooned in. A kid's cubby and folded cots. We be the poster childs, the classes, the pastels, and the pastillage. We be born here. We burn the bridges, the borders, the blues, crossing and cutting our lines of Van Gogh. Our skyline of Monet we walk through, we paint the clouds. Our businesses a bristle brush, a wave check in our back pockets. Bless the waters, bless the running blocks and bodies, bless this city. This Midwest spill, a tarp on the plains. Chicago, the antique found and refurbished. Thank God for the Jean points. The Ida's keeping the wells wet with words. How could we leave you? Our paper made mache. We decorated and party favored. Everyone wants to take us home because our house is a language spoken and understood by all. And this is fresh and this is the best. We beat the winds, the snows, the whites as glues. They want us stuck, tacky and leaving marks. Chicago, a command strip. The commandos and comrades on a cold walk. We leave all traces that something was hung here. We the sun outline, the color fading around us. We want our tent back. Give us back our four corners and our hustles, our gods and his disciples. We got discipline, an ass whooping for Wendy, bless the OGs, our Vaselines, our slick face and quick pace. Chicago, we love you. Your grease and grime, we climb, we cram, we AM darkness and lit train. Bless the quiet nights, bless the next day with no old highlights, bless the front page, bless the Instagram feeds, the shade rooms and no to Fox News, bless the alerts, bless the disheartening hurts, bless this art, bless this expression, this free will fried in our wings, we saucy. We soarin', Chicago, a recipe we'll fight for, a reason to call our parents back, our rents depend on it. The rage, the rants, the raid, we infest the country. Chicago, a pile of glitter, blown away. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so when Red Bull asked you to mm -hmm. write this, did they give you like, did they want like a certain Anything or were they like just it was um about arts, you know, art Chicago, like mm -hmm. just art in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the basic okay. motifs, right? Yeah. Um there was a certain point in the midst of me writing this piece where I got really enamored by Chicago and our culture. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, when we're in it, mm -hmm. it's not too well. Me personally, when I'm in it, I like to use I statements. When I'm in it, <laughs> sometimes I be ready to be like, "Man, fuck this bitch," <laughs> <laughs> and then something will happen. I'll I'll catch like I I live on South Shore Drive, uh -huh. and um, uh, I'll catch like the sun going down right on the water. Oh wow! Or you know, I'll um, I'll see like a bucket boy, mm -hmm. and then like a bucket girl and like that's like a really rare side and what are bucket boys and girls okay so bucket <laughs> boy, i'm so glad you asked that. that was a very nice question 
um, bucket boys are, they're like the boys that you would see. I don't know if you've ever taken like the train to like the South side or like, mm-hmm. even if you're like downtown, like in front of like the museums or okay. any street and bucket boys, they're like oh, the boys who be drumming. Some, like, yeah. They drum okay. on their buckets, you know, to make money. Right. Yeah. There is one new bucket girl on oh. the South side and we've most recently, I've most recently recognized her, but some of my homies, she has purple hair and I was talking to like, she was like, girl, yes, it's even buck girls out here now. <laughs> I'm just like, you better do that. Like, yeah. like it's it's so much beauty here mm-hmm. that I feel like sometimes we get tired of seeing mm-hmm. because, well, me personally, I know it's going to be consumed or commercialized real fast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's, um, there's a line where I see, like, um, give us back like our four corners and our hustles, our gods and his disciples, you know, Chicago has such a bad connotation. Mm. And I think that connotation naturally comes from people with privilege. Um, When you think about why we hate suburbia so much because fuck suburbia. Suburbia is often a cause and effect of displacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at South suburbia, like you know the South suburbs, those are all Black people that's been pushed out of Chicago. Yeah. For gentrification, mm-hmm. for new homes, et cetera, et cetera. And people in suburbia, they come with a great sense of privilege, and they want to be so involved in the Chicago story, mm-hmm. but they don't want to walk through the Chicago story. Right. Right. And they love calling us some fucking Chirac. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like oh. just to show that, like you know. Oh, they I'm in it. it. I'm, you know, but, but they, they fucking don't. don't. Yeah, they really yeah. fucking don't. When you think about the history that I've been taught, you know, Four Corner Hustlers and, you know, mm-hmm. GDNs, you know what I'm saying? Those were like organizations. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Those are people that were repping for change, repping for cause. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? However, you know, however it got dispersed over time, that is something that I'm not aware of and something mm-hmm. that I'm not going to speak on because I haven't been involved in that to be educated, but from what I have been educated on and from people who have raised me, who have lived that lifestyle, Mm -hmm. there's a purpose behind, I feel like there's a purpose deep in Chicago that is a message that's like, you know, that we're working around Mm -hmm. that we don't really get to talk about much or is so much separation. Like Chicago is one of the highest integrated and like segregated cities like in the the country, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to make this an issue about cause and effect, but when I wrote this, it was really to like harmonize, like like we have to bless the sin that we have mm-hmm. because like all the sin that we do have and all the sin that we're going through, like that's a blessing mm-hmm. for me personally. Like it was, it's a blessing that like you know, I was homeless before. Like it was a, it's a blessing that like you know, my mom like had to lose her house. You know what I'm saying? Like right. those like. In, in hindsight, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's some yeah. fucked up shit. But right. it's a blessing because I prevail from that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? who you are and, yeah, your Preci- voice got stronger. Precisely. Yeah. And I think that also plays a bigger part to Chicago because Chicago wins. We push Chicago on. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that we have to do. Like, there's a reason why I was named Chicago's first youth poet laureate. Mm-hmm. And there was a reason why I was granted a book deal. Mm-hmm. There was a reason why the my books pay my rent. Mm-hmm. My rent is paid so my mom can come and sleep on my couch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like there's like it's always like a it's a cycle. And I feel like Chicago is one of the the biggest places of a cycle. So this poem was really just to like 
Let's, we just gotta bless all this shit. <laughs> yeah, like, that's even if sometimes it's driving you crazy mm-hmm. or is this a big struggle or yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's one of my favorite sayings like God always gives us sugar to go with our vinegar. <laughs> and I fucking hate vinegar. <laughs> I fucking hate sugar yeah. too. But yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's like reaches points too where it's just like, like you're just so tired of like seeing like the same like things repeating and you're just like when when are we going to come out of this or whatever yes. yeah i'm not gonna lie like what you said is absolutely 100 percent correct mm-hmm. i think one of the biggest pivotal moments where i was like seeing a glow happen over chicago mm-hmm. and like i'm like i said i'm only using i statements because i always speak for myself it was probably when chance won his grammys oh, okay i'm not yeah. gonna even lie like that was a that was a big moment like, for us. <laughs> we were just like <laughs> okay like that, that's that's what's up because like also considering that chance is someone who come from our community too yeah like, he's uh-huh. been in YCA, Louder Than a Bomb, U Media, under mm-hmm. Brother Mike, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like under mentorship that we didn't all been under or all had opportunities to be under. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment for me where I was like, man, Chicago, we are getting a glow. Yeah. Other than like some some shit that like we don't really like need to like like, you know, be always associated with. Right. Yeah. I even appraise people like Chief Keith. Like mm-hmm. Chief Keith was another person who he was like, he got on way before a chance to rapper. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, in my opinion, you know what I'm yeah. saying? As far as like quote unquote making it right. out the hood. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And those are two also two different conversations of privilege too. But those are two people who I feel like who sh- who showed two different maps to Chicago mm-hmm. um, and two access points of Chicago for the greatness of both of them. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's what this piece was also thinking in Luva. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Would you like to read your final piece? Yeah. So this one is for the aunties because <laughs> we are coming. <laughs> for the aunties, we done turned into the aunts now. Wigs and plastic bags under our sink in cases of Pepsi and RC by the bed. Vaseline on our elbows and never washing our faces. Toning our necks and stroking upwards. We got stashes of quarters we try not to dip into, but still can't keep a venture car loaded. Our old niggas names after weed we don't smoke anymore. And we still getting rides to work with no gas. We born here and brick houses turned building and attic bedrooms gone basement. We kicking future husbands out to futons and couches and asking for our keys back. We don't ask for rent, but maybe if you can stop by the store for us. Writing our orders down on notes and shoot them over in a text. Ignore our OG's phone calls and mothering babies that ain't ours. Homegirl, a teen mom, baby mama, but she trying to go out tonight. TT got a shift off and really ain't in the mood to be dealing with no man. We tired, got calluses growing on our feet now. Counting the days when polish will chip away. We booking appointments for real, for real this time. Going to aid offices and lying about our income. Dressing too cute for the corner store and back of offices. Lashes and lip glosses can make a whole day go by. Someone come to ask us to braid them up, lay hands on them grease the scalp or get their part straight and we sit legs wide open like a breeze offering a seat in the in-between playing songs we had no business dancing to but we old enough now 
honestly, <laughs> I think I I am not a millennial. Mm-hmm. I am about to be 23 in November. <laughs> so I'm not a millennial. I feel like I am, though. Yeah. Like, I feel like I am, like, from, like, the future 70s. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Okay, but, yeah. But um, I'm, like, what, Gen Gen Z, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that's like the term now. That yeah, sounds yeah. trash, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that is literally what I am. I, I love the reclamation that black women are going through mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And I think is also another conversation of ageism that mm-hmm. plays into the idea of why we take our reclamation so serious, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about, like, I don't know what, like, how your family was but like uh-huh. my aunts like i'm not really close with my family but okay. the only aunt who i was really close with she died maybe about two three years ago oh, i'm sorry she was like so amazing her yeah. name was pocahontas francine black she was raw that's right? awesome <laughs> she was a savage okay uh-huh. like she had <laughs> like she was just like probably the one person who who seen me as like a black girl, mm-hmm. a young black girl mm-hmm. and knew what I was going to grow to be. Like she knew I was going to grow to be an old, like to a, a black woman, right? Uh-huh. When I was saying about the conversation of a- like ageism, a lot of people shun upon the youth for thinking about our futures, mm. thinking about our families. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm 23, but I'm finna like I'm finna be like a fucking star, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and also my family was trash. Y'all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Y'all mm-hmm. messed up. So <laughs> y'all can't blame me for wanting to think about myself in longevity. Right? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be 30 looking up like, okay, now it's time to find a husband. Like, you right. know, like I'm yeah. like I'm like fuck that. Like, I'm like if there's somebody that's been rocking with me for years, yeah, like since I was in my teenagers, and they mm. are still here supporting me, that speaks volumes to me. Yeah, you know totally. what I'm saying. That's a that's a that's a that's a story to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and that's something I'm gonna seek into carrying on. Like, yeah, something my mom always told me. She was like, "Don't date nobody that you wouldn't have kids with." Mm. Period. Yeah, and I definitely I definitely feel that. Like, I'm yeah. I don't want I don't want the the sap story. You know mm. what I'm saying. I don't want to to do it on y'all's timeline that y'all taught me it was supposed to be done. You know what I'm saying? So like when I think about us being the aunts, like I may not be a mother, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a teacher, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then I'm a woman who like, okay, you dropped out of college, can't tell your mom just yet. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a few days with me to think about what this conversation gonna look like. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're pregnant? We need to figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a person where you can have those conversations because I'm lit because I'm I lived them already mm-hmm. and I am currently living them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I feel like aunts are like the perfect middle ground yeah. for like for youth to like depend on. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. I need someone mm-hmm. who is older than me, but mm-hmm. who still gets the steeds that I'm going through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, who has like the wisdom but isn't gonna like um yeah. Like I I think like what I'm thinking of is like I know for me like if I was in a situation where if I told like my parents or my grandparents I have a better relationship with my mm-hmm. grandparents than my parents they would like scream and get super emotional yes. so it makes me like it as a growing up it'd make me like hide things from them yes but like an aunt is someone who's like they'll be like take a deep breath and be like okay this is what we're gonna do yes. you know it's like a safer person to go to exactly yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what you said. I see like aunts, we are like the safe haven, especially mm-hmm. like as a 
as a black woman, I pride myself on I really want to be someone that anybody can come to, mm-hmm. but I care about the shorties so much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because there has been mentorships that I didn't had mm-hmm. that I didn't feel like supported me thoroughly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've been in abusive relationships and yeah. done told specific mentors and mm-hmm. didn't give me the best comforting response. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. So I had to figure shit out on my own. Mm-hmm. And those are moments that, I, that I've went through that I'm like, I'm yeah. never finna be that. Yeah. I'm never finna be that. You know what I'm saying? And that's also why I feel like we set ourselves up to work so hard so that we mm-hmm. have something so that people can fall back on because also we value ourselves first. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's also another step. So it's like, you know, you're a young woman, you're on, and then you're a mom. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ain't really ready to be there Mm-mm. yet. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like when you're a mom, it's yeah. fuck you at that point. It's yeah. like you got... You, it's like all for the child. And yeah, and I know for me too, like, like, and I, I am a millennial. I'm older than you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love but, um, But I'm like at a point where I'm like, I don't... Because I grew up like poor and like had a really like rough childhood. And I'm just like, I don't want to bring a kid in the world because I don't even know how to pay for Period. it. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, but... Yeah, it's just like, so it's like, it, it feels like when society's like, oh, just be a, like, a young woman, like, do whatever you want, but then, then become a mom, you know, like, yes. it's like, so like, like, they're trying to write your history, but it's like, it's not even possible or like, oh my gosh, yeah. you are, you are <laughs> literally, you, you like literally understand it. I was, you, so Facebook shares memories with me. <laughs> oh gosh, I wish I could turn them off oh, sometimes. I'm I like, love them remember. because I'd be like, <laughs> you was on to something. <laughs> I seen the status that I had made where it was like, you know, whenever someone is telling you to live young, wild and free, they trying mm. to finesse you, mm. like be fucking smart. Like that's all my dad, like my dad died when I was six, but mm. the only quote that my mom used to like constantly reply to me is like, be smart, Iman, be smart, yeah. you know, be smart. And it's like, you know, yeah, we can live young, but we have to live. We're also living strategically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mm-hmm. got to. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> we are also the generation that older folks love calling oversensitive or over emotional uh, or fickle. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, bitch, that's progress. Mm-hmm. Like, or like, if you don't understand, like, y'all, it's y'all generation that told us that if we in a fight and if we cry, we automatically lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's y'all generation that didn't teach us nothing about an autonomy of a woman's body yeah didn't teach us nothing about what consent looks like from our mouth you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying didn't yeah. teach us like it's our like it's y'all generation that like you know told us that we have to do this and this at a certain age yeah and then have a baby mm-hmm. and then you know you should be married mm-hmm. and i'm and then it baffles me because when i'll be looking back i'm like but it didn't work out for it you guys. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah. And I feel like, um, yeah, I think it's like the generation before me, which mm-hmm. I don't uh, like in between baby, baby boomers, boomers and stuff. Yes. But like they prided like numbness, like not mm-hmm. feeling and like if you are emotional, like go in your room and cry or like, yeah. And it's just like, but now we're like process, like learning like, no, emotions are there to like tell us something, yes. like process them, let them come through. And I just feel like, people that do that are so much like happier, yes. you know, and are not just like numb and like upset or like you you can kind of sense like an inner rage or depression or something. And like, so it's weird too that they're like, 
fighting back by being like you're oversensitive or whatever or like everyone just wants to talk about their feelings it's like well we have to because you've been not allowing us to process yes. it for so long you know but i think once you do like it's just like healthier and to learn like your emotions are telling you things you know i definitely i definitely completely affirm everything that you said and i completely mm-hmm. agree with it i think also just from a history of like how looked at my family mm-hmm. families around me they've made their choices of like their like their therapy mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah. i don't i don't want to put it so much on like like i mean i'm not gonna like i guess my, i don't my mom was like she's about to be what 60 this year mm-hmm. so she was born with 60 she was born in what the 60s like, yeah yeah right so as an adult like when she was reaching the adult she was reading reaching what the 80s uh-huh yeah and the the roaring 80s <laughs> the roaring reagan 80s yeah right is, is that right or no that's yeah reagan was like 80s yeah, yeah. okay yeah crack epidemic you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um like a lot of like older people like that generation that we're speaking of they chose their they chose their suppression mm-hmm. and like drugs alcohol yeah you know or silence Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and i love millennials Mm -hmm. and gen whatever we are yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i love us because we like you gotta think about too like also fuck fox news Mm -hmm. we get our news from like shade room yeah we instagram yeah that's like that's our news you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like we want to see where the amazon is burning yeah we go straight to instagram yeah but we're also like the same generation that like hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love us so much for like always fighting ageism and like, you know, like this is, I use, I went to therapy when I was younger. I was, mm-hmm. I was in a mental facility when I was younger mm-hmm. and they made me go to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could have did it again. Maybe yeah. By, maybe by choice this time. Oh, okay, but yeah. I love, I love how like how honest we are about therapy. Like when I was younger, that yeah. used to be something that we had to hide. Like, yeah, I used to see my aunts cry about going to therapy. Oh, they were like ashamed of it. Yeah, stuff. like it yeah. was a big like it was like oh you need help like mm-hmm. you need help other than like telling your sister or or praying about it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like yes, <laughs> I need help right now. Yeah. Um, and I think all of the all of that to say is that's also where like a lot of my work is seeping into. Mm-hmm. right now is i like to make my palms work as an act of therapy for myself mm-hmm. yeah and if it can even be something for others too because therapy is not free but yeah, you know i know poems are free mm-hmm. so that's all i try to give <laughs> that's awesome yeah um yet can you uh just quickly like speak more on like like your writing process like what inspires you or like when you do sit down maybe to write a book of poems like Mm -hmm. do you come up with like themes or just as you're writing the themes emerge or Mm. so when i was i am currently writing my second manuscript Mm -hmm. right now when i was writing my first manuscript there was a i um wrote a play Mm-hmm. Um, called Commando, mm-hmm. which I had debuted at the Hip Hop Theater Fest. Mm-hmm. I found out my aunt mm-hmm. died the day before. Oh my god! Okay. It was so soul crushing. I was I will never forget. <sighs> yeah. I was in my apartment memorizing everything. Yeah, yeah. And I just got a text message from my mom. She was like, "Auntie Pokey died." Crushed my whole world. Yeah. So I had to go on stage the very next day. Oh my God, yeah. And it was just like, even Speak was in there. So it was like a 
it was a play based off of you know poems that I had written. Mm-hmm. So it was a great success. And then I became the Youth Polar in Chicago, had to write a book, and I had all these poems together. Yeah. And my uncle, who was my editor, he's a very famous poet. He was like, uh, he was like, I want to just name it Commando. Yeah. And he was like, it's like the same, it's like the same work. It's literally the same work. Like, mm-hmm. he, was like he was like, just just carry it over, like continue the lineage. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's true. That's true. So I think about like titles, titles like our frame of each piece. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it in manuscript, same thing. So whatever that manuscript is going to be titled, like that's the frame of it. So right. I'm like, all right, so like what picture do I want to pay, like yeah. paint of it? Uh-huh. Usually when I write poems personally, I usually hear it from the title. Also, I think something that has something to do with me being a performer. So yeah. I was um, in Kumbalings and we were raised big on performance you know mm-hmm. thoroughly trained in performance you know great great organization mm-hmm. uh, great organization they played a very big part in my in my story and in the in the culture of spoken word especially loud in the bottom you have yeah. three minutes to say your poem okay and your time starts after you say like the first word after you say your title right mm-hmm. so Three minutes is like the story, but you know, like the poem, and right. then you know your title is the frame. So whenever I think about my writing, I think I hear it in my performance voice, mm. or I write it how I would want it to be performed. Got it. And I think that also speaks to like when I'm also a teacher, I always say that like writing a poem is like you know finessing your way onto the bus. Like you never like if you don't got it, you don't got it. But I need to get home. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the point. You know what I'm saying? So like, what is the what is the point that I'm trying to say? And like, right. so I always see my title as like, you know, my point. Right. Like, I need to get home. Right. Mm-hmm. And then whatever else, whatever story I need to say, that's the story that I need to say. Yeah. Um. So with that writing process, something that I'm also training myself on is being very diligent about writing my ideas down, mm-hmm. being very on point about that. If I hear a title in my head, or if I hear a first line in my head, I have to write it down because it really pisses me off when I forget it. Like, oh, I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd be like, oh, "Damn it!" You did it um, so that's really what my what what my writing process is. Um, I think I think James Baldwin said that mm-hmm. rewriting is a it's a painful process. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, I hate I hate to rewrite a poem. Um, and I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't rewrite yeah, my poems, yeah. but I will. I will edit them if need be. Yeah. But um, yeah. Is it something like if you like you work so hard on your poem and you're like it's done, and then maybe later if you come back, maybe you'll see like potential edits. Yes. Okay. Yes. That yeah. I think that is something that I do too. So I work for Young Chicago Authors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a teaching artist for them, and we have a teaching artist core, and we meet every other Monday, and it's like one Monday we'll like bring in work to get a critique mm-hmm. and then the other monday we'll like have a writing workshop mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. sometimes i bring out my plum in there and i get my little feelings hurt right? oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's, it's <laughs> like you know th- those are my poems you know those are my yeah. babies right yeah, so totally. like it's, it's situations like that that force you to be like visceral you know yeah that that, that force you to like you know be on it like you know yeah. like especially when you are like surrounded by a group of like handcrafted handpicked it yeah handpicked talented people that you know really what I'm saying? It's understand like, it don't, you yeah. can't sleep on an opportunity but like sometimes when i'm by myself 
And like, I'll go back and look at a poem. Like, there was a poem I was going to send you called Ode to White Tube Socks. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate white tube socks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was looking at it later and I was, I had wrote it and then I went back to read. I was like, oh, this poem is like really good. Like, uh-huh. you don't got to do that much edits on it. But sometimes I look at another poem. I'm like, okay, you could switch this around. Yeah. Or you could take this line out, et cetera, et cetera. So those moments definitely do happen. Yeah. So I guess um, part of my process is just, Something that Nate Marshall taught me, he was like, poems are never finished, only abandoned. You know, mm, so you will yeah. never you will never finish a poem. But yeah. you know, when you abandon something, you will always come back to it. So yeah. I always like give my poems abandonment issues. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, come back. Yeah. Um, do you ever like with the performing side of poems, do you ever perform a poem and then like well, like walk off stage and be like, okay, this part worked, but I need to like reword this. Hmm. I mean, because I, I, I come from like a comedy background. So it's really? like, yeah. So like when writing like a sketch or a mm-hmm. monologue, it's like sometimes you think something's going to be funny mm-hmm. and then it gets like no laughs. And you're like, okay, that's trash. I got to yes. rewrite this, you know? <laughs> but like poems, it's like, I don't know. Do you just like feel like the air and like mm. the engagement of the audience? I think that is something in poetry culture that I personally try to fight against. Especially oh, when you think about the history of like spoken word. Mm-hmm. And competition in spoken yeah. word. I know how some people feel about stage and page poetry, but fuck that. I believe in stage and page poetry. Okay. Because yeah. I've been on both sides. Yeah. I've been on the side as a performer mm-hmm. and I've been on the side as a writer. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't feel like every person can call themselves both. Some people can't. It's up to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like I can't. Like, I can write my ass off. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I can also know how to perform my ass off. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I think something in that culture that speaks to that culture is that a lot of people write poems for the snaps. Oh, you know yeah. Okay. They, yeah, they, yeah. 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 They, they, they write <laughs> poems for the tens. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's like when you see poems, it's like trauma, 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 trauma. Yeah. And yeah. It's like 10, 10, 10. And I'm like, Bitch, I want to talk about when my bike got stole. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, like, yeah. There, there's not necessarily no trauma in that, but I feel like that could possibly be turned into a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like how, yeah. like, and I feel like that's what challenges are. Right, I feel like writing pushes a performance, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Performance pushes writing. Right, mm-hmm. when it's used right, and I think that. When I write, like I said, I write for my performance. Like I don't write for nobody else but myself. Mm-hmm. Like I write, I understand who my audience is and I write to people, but I don't ever write for nobody except for myself. Yeah. So every time I write a poem, I take that shit straight to the mirror mm-hmm. and I perform it like wow, until I cool. feel it. Like yeah. I have to feel it. Like wow. because that's what's that's that's what gets the snaps. Yeah. And something also that I've learned, I've I just performed at the Red Bull kickoff event memorized my poem and everything but i still had it on standby just mm-hmm. in case and i was really flustered like like good emotionally driven you know yeah. what i'm saying the audience was silent mm-hmm. but i had like my breath had got short uh-huh. and i was like hold on i gotta take a breath i was really feeling myself and in that moment they just like had the biggest cheer you wow. know what i'm saying like because yeah. like when you are captivating people you're captivating them mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like if someone yeah. is like there's a difference between like listening and hearing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? If someone is hearing you, you know, they'll hear the part where they're supposed to snap on because right. like they hear like the oohs or the mmms or yeah. the ahs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But if a person is listening, it's like they're they're they in kind it. kind of forget about everyone else. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So it's like there's not really a need for a response mm-hmm. at this moment. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think that's what I've gotten respect on for being a performer because I 
I really throw myself into it. Like yeah. even when I'm acting, like I throw myself into it because you know that's the I'm telling my story for mm-hmm. myself. You yeah, know? I've been fortunate enough to be on a winning team before. I've been fortunate enough to win a few slams before. Mm-hmm. I think that is because of my writing and my performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also just a matter about also understanding who you are as an artist and understanding like what you are able to deliver. Like some sometimes there are some poems for certain crowds that I will perform that I will not perform for other crowds. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's a big difference with like saying, like reading I have this poem called A Window Shop and Ass Nigga. Mm-hmm. And it probably says nigga like 50 times in the poem. <laughs> uh-huh. Performing that for black people, especially for young black girls, going crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They love that. They just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I> need this. <laughs> Performing it for a bunch of like a, a, a group full of white people. They're like, can I can I snap to this? You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I'm so right. uncomfortable. But, you know, I appreciate like, like they love being uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when they feel like it's the benefit of teaching them something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't necessarily feel like that poem would teach them anything, mm. but you know, for entertainment purposes, I guess, you know what I'm saying? But there's, you know, I think that's also where it comes to a lot of like common in totality of being an artist, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to just be a poet. I don't want to just be a writer. I don't want to just be a performer. I want to be an artist. Like mm-hmm. I act, I sing, I dance, I do everything. So it's it's... It's a lot of mental organization and yeah. compar- decompartmentalizing. Yeah, I do hope that like I was thinking about this like maybe a year or two ago because like yeah, I live in, I live in LA, so so many people are like like what do you do? And so many people you talk to, they're like, okay, I act, I write, like it's mm-hmm. all these things, but like the economy of it wants you just to be like one thing to be like I'm just a writer, I'm just a director, actor, whatever. And I was just like, when did we lose like artists? Like, yes. yeah. And I'm just like hoping we're moving in a direction where like we like take we're allowed to be an artist again, and we're allowed to be multifaceted as opposed to just being like this one thing. Like, yeah, because in LA too, they're like, what's your brand? Like, if you're an actor, yes. you're just a comedian. It's just your type or whatever. And it's like branding is it a big kills you as an it artist. It does, yeah. Like, and that's why I also appreciate like the the teaching artist cohort because like we support each other and our like our multi-dimension mm-hmm. you know the many dimensions that we're in i think everything is connected to everything i think the what makes it feel so separated is 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 how it's presented you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like the the media outtake the package deal the package yeah. deal right i was just watching aladdin yeah oh my god the aladdin <laughs> remake was phenomenal uh-huh on maybe slashly popular opinion, mm-hmm. a Latin remake was way better than Lion King, right? Like, I haven't seen I haven't seen oh, Lion King yet. Um, it but, was trash. <laughs> I fell asleep as soon as Beyonce's voice came on. No, no shit. Like no, like I mean, I mean, like look, I ain't gonna even go there. <laughs> the Beehive be ruining lives, and Beyonce do not tell her Beehive to chill out. That's mm-hmm. how I personally feel about mm-hmm. it, right? But. As an actor, Beyonce's voice acting sucked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's just how I feel. Yeah, you know what I'm saying I'm not discrediting her legend, and, her, and I ain't gonna even go on there because I ain't gonna waste my interview on her. You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just not up to to par of what I had expected. Cinematography, yeah. like 
great yeah. cinematography. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's just beautiful. And I love what she did. Like her sound, her sound scoring mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. She was probably one of my favorites, but also Kendrick Lamar's for Black Panther. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. His like was still greatly successful. He didn't have to touch the movie, like be in the movie. You know what I'm saying? So I feel God, like I could have had to say. So yeah. I seen, so I was watching Aladdin remake and it was great. And I, I'm a person. I, I like to read the credits because I'm an actor. Oh, yeah. I want to see who's the soundscape, who's getting credited, et cetera, et cetera. And the last song was Will Smith and DJ Khaled. Uh-huh. Like they were rapping, and I was like, "Huh, ain't that funny?" Like Disney gave Will Smith a chance to be a, a rapper again. Yeah, like that. Sh- that was that was irony to me because mm-hmm. that was like nostalgic irony because like everybody talks about how trash Will Smith of a rapper is, but Will Smith is a badass actor. Can't uh-huh. nobody discredit yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But he also has a great found history of being a rapper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. television. So I'm like, they're all related to yeah. each other. It's just a matter about how you project and promote yourself as an individual artist. Mm-hmm. I think Brandon does play a part into that too, but. It's also like money, which sucks so much. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure like, yeah, if you talk to Will Smith, it'd be like, well, my last rap album like didn't sell that much. So then I, what acting was doing well. Right. So it's like, in a way he might've like just put that hat down and followed the other one. And yeah. then I wonder what it was like for him to be able to like rap again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was really fun for him. I think <laughs> money does play. You are absolutely right when you say that money does play a part mm-hmm. into that. Um, but I think there's also another conversation about content, too, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Like, even if you are a rapper, mm-hmm. your your next access to being to acting is yeah. your music videos. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to see just a bunch of music videos of a bunch of cars and a bunch of smoke. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't want to see the same music video. I don't mm-hmm. want content. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, some of my favorite music videos are probably like. Smino has great music videos. Jamila mm. has great music videos. You know mm. what I'm saying? Um, the baby, I love his music videos. And you know what I'm saying? Like they're just always like content invoking, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. to watch, something yeah. different. And I think that that also plays a part also in Brennan too. How do you want to be seen mm-hmm. versus just not how you want to be heard? Right. So, or how you want people to read you. So mm-hmm. kind of going back to like writing and performing. Like yeah. I write my poems how I want people to hear my voice yeah you know i'm saying so mm-hmm. even if that means writing it in pay in prose form like mm-hmm. you are meant to read this as a roll-on because i'm finna rant it when i perform it mm-hmm. if i have a, a very linear poem or within jammings you know understand i'm breathing taking pauses very intentional about every word so yeah that was yeah that was just something i wanted to tie back to myself but you know i get yeah you yeah it. yeah that's <laughs> awesome um great so we're like at the end of the show um really this is so yeah. much fun yeah this is awesome i mean uh it just it's been like such a treat like coming out here and like hearing like chicago writers and like what mm-hmm. you guys have to say it's like awesome um and then i know you have like a podcast and stuff so would you like to plug it yeah thank you so <laughs> much for the plug so i have a podcast called the real hood wives of chicago mm-hmm. which is a platform for artists of color predominantly artists of color in chicago um or chicago adjacent to talk you know love sex romance and all mm-hmm. other forms of ratchetry mm-hmm. um it was really inspired by the idea of Whenever you see folks of color talking about, you know, love or relationships or anything like that, it's from a very closed, scripted, whitewashed lens, i.e. the real housewives of whatever or love and hip hop. But when you actually hear, 
you know, real sex stories or real sex conversations, you only get that in the axis of sex in the city. You know mm, what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it's two it's two different worlds. So I really wanted to create a platform for that. So it's the Real Hillwise Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's found on all platforms: Spotify, Stitcher, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. But you can find it at um, Anchor.fm/slash Black. Stories But Shorter is produced by Jeremy Schmidt and hosted by me, Cassie Jerkins. Hi folks, Sean Watkins here. I'm here to tell you about my podcast slash album called This Is Who We Are. That's right. It's a podcast and a record, all rolled into one. Each episode features one song off the record, paired up with a conversation with a guest who is related to that song in some way. Guests include Jackson Brown, Inara George, Kate Micucci, and the conversations aren't about these songs specifically. The songs just serve as sort of a topical springboard that hopefully will lend a little context to this new album of mine. Sort of like a modern-day version of Liner Notes, only much more personal. The podcast and the album are both called This Is Who We Are. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.